Welcome to the Legal Influence Podcast, a show for influencers and content creators looking to land brand deals and grow thriving businesses legally. I'm your host, Kate Cooper. I'm an attorney and content creator, and in today's inaugural episode, I thought it would be fun to share a bit about my own content creation journey and some of the mistakes I've made along the way. So to kick things off, we're going to take things all the way back to 2013, because that is when I consider the beginning of my content creation journey, because that's when I really started posting publicly on social media with the intention of reaching a wider audience than just my friends and family. So I've always been a really big social media girl, and I'm sure you may be able to relate to that. I was always the friend with the camera taking photos and then uploading them to MySpace and Facebook during middle school and high school. So when Instagram first came out, I was immediately obsessed. I remember I even upgraded my phone from a BlackBerry to an iPhone just so I could download the Instagram app. So if I go back all the way to 2012 in my personal Instagram feed, it's truly hilarious. It was an era of not really caring about what you posted on social media, people would post the most random things. I have photos there that are like photos of nail polish, just random sunset shots, just the most bizarre pictures for no rhyme or reason with awful filters on it. But it was so much fun and I immediately loved it. So in 2013, I made a really big decision to embark on a health and fitness journey. And to provide some context, up until that point in my life, I had been overweight and had really kind of unhealthy eating habits. And I also struggled with bulimia for a number of years. And after taking an herbalism class in college, which is a very University of Vermont type of class to take, I was really inspired to start making healthier decisions for myself. And to make a long story short, I lost 50 pounds during my last semester of undergrad. And at that time, I created a health and fitness Tumblr account where I not only documented my journey, but I was also able to learn from others. And that was really my first introduction to using social media as an educational resource. Um, At the time, I had like five or six different Tumblr accounts with all different themes. And a lot of them were just me reposting, you know, pictures and content that I liked. But my health and fitness Tumblr was really a space for me to share my journey my experience. And I started gaining a following there quickly. Um, And so at that same time, I decided to create a separate Instagram account. I was sharing content about my health and fitness journey on my personal Instagram. And I felt like I was annoying my friends and family. I also felt really self-conscious sharing my journey in front of my friends and family. So I created this completely separate health and fitness account. Um, And this was during the summer of 2013, right before I started law school. And so my content creation journey and my legal journey have really always kind of gone hand in hand. And at the time in 2013, there weren't a ton of accounts that you would consider like you would look at and be like, oh, this is a content creator. Like this is an account that is creating a specific type of content that falls within a specific niche. So there were other health and fitness accounts out there. There were other kind of like niche accounts that were starting to form, especially in the cooking space. But it wasn't like what it is today where there are so many different types of content creators out there. And it's really normal for people to start new accounts that are focused 
on a specific topic. Anyway, back to 2013. So I started this new account and I started by sharing a lot of before and after photos. And because I had this pretty significant weight loss in a fairly short period of time, I found that I gained a few thousand followers on Instagram very quickly. And since the app was still so new, it was pretty easy to get in front of a lot of new people, specifically using hashtags. And if you weren't on Instagram back then, what you would be able to do if you clicked on an individual hashtag, instead of seeing two separate feeds, the top feed and the recent feed, you would just see one feed with the top nine photos at the top and then a chronological feed beneath that. And so if you could crack into that top nine, your post would get in front of a lot more eyes than it would otherwise get in front of. And the top nine photos were always just super random. I don't know how the algorithm decided what made the cut. Also keep in mind at this time, the Explore page didn't exist yet. And so hashtags were really one of the only strategies to get in front of new eyes. The other big strategy was getting tagged in another account's post. Um, but it was kind of hard to grow on Instagram outside of your friends and family app. But I would start, I would rank in a lot of the top nine for a lot of weight loss hashtags. And that's how I was able to grow my account pretty quickly right from the beginning. And I posted other content too, like my meals and workout selfies and fitness memes, but nothing performed as well as the before and after pictures. And I think that would still probably ring true today. And so this is going to lead me into my first big mistake as a content creator, and that is my first ever brand deal. So in the beginning of 2014, I had a fitness apparel brand reach out to me in my DMs and they were like, hey, we want to send you some workout clothes in exchange for you posting on social media what's your address? And so I thought this was the coolest thing ever. Like brand deals weren't really a thing, like influencer brand deals. And so I just thought it was really cool that they wanted to send me clothing. And keep in mind, like I was a 1L in law school. I had no job. I had no money. And I had recently lost a significant amount of weight. And that required me to replace my entire wardrobe. So the idea of getting free workout clothes was extremely enticing. And the idea of getting paid to post at the time wasn't really a thing. So I didn't I didn't even ask the brand. I just said yes, sent them my address and my sizes, and then they sent me a PR box with leggings and a really cute top. Um, and now at this point, we don't have a contract. And this is my mistake number one, because since we didn't have a contract with clearly defined expectations and obligations, and brand deals in general were a totally new concept for me, I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. And in hindsight, I should have just messaged the brand, asked them what I what they expected from me, but I was ready to deliver. So as soon as I get the package in the mail, I was like, okay, I got to get this post up as soon as possible. I need to wear this outfit to my next workout so I can get a nice little gym selfie. And then I have to post it immediately so that they know that I'm super grateful that they sent me this package. Um, so that's what I did. Um, did I send the photo that I posted to the brand to look over first? No, I didn't. No, I did not. Um, I wanted to get that bad boy up ASAP right away. Um, so what did I post? I posted a blurry flexing selfie. 
Um, my face isn't in the shot. You can see the shirt, but it's blurry. It's my arm. It's, it, it was just, it was a probably maybe one of the worst photos I've ever posted on social media, but I wanted to get it up so quickly and I tagged the brand and um, that was it. That was it. I never messaged the brand again, never followed up. I just assumed the brand would follow up with me if they had something to say or they wanted to continue working together. And so I just kind of accepted that it was just a big, a big old flop. And so that was my first mistake that I made as a content creator. I worked with a brand without having a contract or clearly defined expectations, and there was no real communication about what the partnership was supposed to look like, what the post was supposed to look like, what the timeline was, whether the brand wanted to review the post first to make sure that I wasn't posting blurry flexing selfies. And so again, this was still the very early days of Instagram and influencer marketing really wasn't a huge thing at this point in time. So there wasn't this, you know, clear timeline that I knew to follow. So my first few partnerships as a fitness content creator were pretty clunky. Um, and I don't think that a new creator would have the same issues today just because brand deals are treated much more professionally. And there's just so much more information out there about how brand deals work. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already have a good sense about that. So Ultimately, the mistake that I was making, in addition to not having a contract, was that I wasn't treating the brand deals that I started to do in the beginning of my kind of creator career as business transactions. Instead, I was looking at these opportunities as if they were just super cool experiences that I was oh so lucky to have been picked and chosen for. And so I really wasn't taking the partnership seriously in terms of it being a business transaction. I was willing to jump through whatever hoops necessary um, for little to no compensation. And it really wasn't until I started practicing law and working with different types of people and businesses on a variety of different issues, including a lot of contract disputes, that I realized, oh, influencer brand deals are a very legitimate type of business transaction. Content creators are offering a service that a brand is paying for, and the terms of that agreement need to be fully fleshed out in a contract, and there needs to be a fair exchange of value during the transaction because at the end of the day, it's a business deal and it's something that should be mutually beneficial. So when I made that shift mentally towards treating content creation like a business, that's when I started to get a lot more opportunities as a creator. And I'm flash, I'm kind of flash forwarding a little bit here. Um, and I, I do want to note, it wasn't just the mindset shift that caused me to attract more opportunities. I was doing a lot of work behind the scenes to create a new brand as a creator, which I'll talk about in a minute. But up until that point, all the opportunities I had had as a creator were either in-kind collaborations where I was getting paid with product or they provided payment, but it was really not much. And then once I started really kind of treating content creation like a business, I started getting inbound offers from larger brands who wanted content with usage rights. And because I understood the value of my intellectual property as a creator, I was able to negotiate some pretty solid brand deals with a really small social media audience. At the time, I had less than 20,000 followers on Instagram, so I was 
a micro influencer, and I was able to land a few partnerships that paid between two to four thousand dollars, along with a larger five-figure partnership. And I attribute a lot of the success I had at that time with negotiating higher-paying brand deals to treating my brand like a business. And I know it can be easy as an influencer to make your brand an extension of yourself. Um, and there are creators who have success with that. But I personally believe most creators are going to find the greatest success from developing their brand separately from themselves and treating it like a business. And I also think it's healthier to have that boundary between you and your online presence. So this leads me to my next big mistake as a content creator, which was not starting fresh when I transitioned from being a fitness creator to an outdoor creator. So to rewind a bit, I really fell into being a fitness influencer unintentionally. Um, it just happened that my story really resonated with a lot of people. And so I gained a modest following. I had a much bigger following on Tumblr than I did on Instagram. Um, and at a certain point, I noticed that I was starting to be seen by the people following me as an expert in health and fitness and working out and lifting weights and counting macros and losing weight and all the things. And while I knew a lot about those topics because I had a lot of success with my own health and fitness journey, um, I'd spent a lot of time researching things, studying them informally. Um, at no point was I ever truly qualified to be sharing educational content or giving advice to others. And over the years, I had a lot of people reaching out to me for fitness or macro coaching, and I always turned them down because, again, I really wasn't qualified to be offering those types of services. And when it comes to creating health and fitness content, I always tried to keep it about me and my journey and my experience. So I was sharing meals I was eating and workouts I was doing. But over time, I realized, oh, people are watching what I'm doing and they're starting to emulate me because they think if they do what I do, they'll get the results that I've gotten. And that I think is just one aspect of the fitness sector of the influencer and content creator space that where things I think can get a little bit toxic. Um, and there is obviously some degree of responsibility on the consumer watching content not to try to emulate somebody else. But at the same time, I think it's really important to be conscientious about what you're sharing as a creator and what types of messages are being sent from the content that you're creating. So even when someone is well-intentioned and they're sharing a place from a place of their own personal experience, if you're not truly an expert on what you're talking about, you may inadvertently be influencing people in a way that's potentially harmful or less than ideal. And I know when I look back, I was really struggling a lot with my relationship with exercise during that time. And a lot of my habits were things that shouldn't have been emulated. Um, and of course, I also think there's a much bigger issue if someone's taking it a step further and trying to monetize a lack of expertise, but that's a whole other conversation that we'll probably have at some point on this show. Um, but I personally realized that if I wanted to continue as a fitness creator and potentially offer coaching services, that I needed to become qualified to do so. So I actually started studying to become a personal trainer during my final semester of law school. I like had it in my head that I could do both simultaneously. Like I'll just study for the bar exam at the same time. 
I'll prepare for this personal training exam. And two things became very obvious very quickly. First, as I really started to get into the personal training material, I realized I didn't actually have an interest in coaching other people and being responsible for someone else's health and fitness outcomes. It's a really big responsibility when you're dealing with someone's body and their physical health, and I just wasn't really interested in having that level of responsibility. Um, it also became very clear that balancing becoming a lawyer and a personal trainer at the same time was a little much. Um, so I just ne never ended up sitting for the personal training exam, and I just started focusing on my legal career instead. And that experience really was my first big sign that maybe it was also time for me to step away from being a quote-unquote fitness influencer. And so I also moved to Colorado in the summer of 2016, right after I graduated from law school, and I started to make some major changes to my lifestyle. I was hiking a lot more, I wasn't in the gym as often, and I really started to focus on my overall well-being. And eventually, one day at the beginning of 2017, I posted my final gym selfie and just never really looked back at fitness content. Um, throughout 2017, I continued to post infrequently every now and then, but my content was really all over the place while I still figured out while, if I wanted to continue showing up online publicly and how that would look. So I posted a lot of nature content like yoga on the shores of an alpine lake, scenes from my hikes. I posted a lot of like crystals and witchy things and updates about my own personal wellness journey. And so my account really started to look like a lot of lifestyle content for a while. And then in 2018 is when I really started posting more outdoor and hiking content consistently. And in early 2019, Kate Outdoors was officially born. So my transition from being a fitness creator to an outdoor content creator was not an overnight decision, but I do wish that I had started fresh when I created Kate Outdoors rather than continuing to post on my old account. And the main reason that I didn't was because I was afraid to start over because at that point I had already started to gain some followers in the outdoor niche. But the reality was I was also consisting, consistently losing followers. So from 2017 to 2020, I just consistently lost followers. I went from about 15,000 followers down to like 12,000 followers. And I think I would have seen faster success as an outdoor creator if I had just started from scratch. I was also afraid of just kind of leaving my audience behind because there had been people that at that point had been following me for five years um, when I was posting fitness content. And I didn't want to just abandon them. But the reality is if they really wanted to continue following me in my journey, they could have just followed a new account. Um, so I wish I had started fresh. There are also some other downsides to having an old account. Um, you know, a lot of people who followed me back in 2013, 2014, 2015, those accounts aren't active anymore. And so that ends up throwing off your engagement rate. I think there are ways that a creator can naturally transition from one niche to another without starting a new account, but I would recommend starting fresh if you're making a major change or you have a period of extended inactivity. So the last mistake that I want to share with you has to do with influencer marketing platforms. Um, and.
the mistake is not reading the fine print. So when you get a campaign through an influencer marketing platform, you typically have to agree to the platform's terms of service or terms of use. Sometimes you'll sign a contract directly with the brand, but on most platforms, you're going to be working through the platform and agreeing to their terms. And depending on the platform, when you start diving into these terms of service, you find that the licenses that you are giving to the platform and sometimes the brand as well is very broad. And it includes things like full usage rights in perpetuity or an exclusive license. And then when you look at the campaign, oftentimes the payment that is being offered is not actually aligned with the scope of the licensing terms and the usage rights that are being given by the creator. And I do want to note that this is not every single influencer marketing platform out there. Some platforms provide more opportunities to negotiate terms so that they're more fair. But I really think it's important to be discerning when it comes to working through influencer marketing platforms. Um, I just don't think that a lot of the rates that are on some of these platforms are fair. Um, and I know that I definitely agreed to some bad deals in the past. So I do want to encourage people to always make sure that you're reading the terms of service and also make sure that the terms of service are easy to access. They should never be hidden or difficult to find. And if you're looking through and something feels off or you realize the terms are a lot broader than you're comfortable agreeing to, even if it's a brand that you really want to work with, know that you don't ever have to agree to terms that you're not comfortable with. And this may not be the only opportunity that you have to work with that brand. You can always try connecting with the brand outside of the influencer marketing platform to come up with your own terms regarding a partnership. The brand could also be working with a PR company for certain types of campaigns. They may have somebody in-house that's handling partnerships. And there are a lot of ways that you can work with a brand. So that's whether it's an influencer partnership or working with them as a UGC creator or a videographer. And so I just really think it's important to be discerning when it comes to the platforms that you're working with. Because like I said, there a lot of these platforms have terms that I don't think are necessarily fair to creators. Um, with that said, there are also plenty of PR companies and brands that make really ridiculous offers to creators. Um, if you're not on threads, there are a lot of creators on there that are sharing their bad brand deal offers. And I am so excited to see people calling out these ludicrous offers because they are, I mean, some of them are just truly ridiculous. And it's it's genuinely unethical of brands to be asking what they're asking of creators sometimes. But I digress. Um, that's another issue that we'll talk about an, at a different time. But keep in mind, I also want to note that there are plenty of brands out there that have fair budgets, that respect the work that influencers and content creators do. And one of my big goals here is to help you land those types of opportunities. So to recap some of the mistakes that I've made as a content creator, number one, didn't get a contract or treat the brand partnership seriously. If you want success as a content creator, you really need to treat it like a business. Number two, I didn't start fresh when changing niches or niches, however you want to say it, um, depending on your account and the type of content you share versus the content that you plan to share. You may not need to start from scratch, but it would have made sense for me at the time. And finally, 
not reading the fine print on influencer marketing platforms. When I really first started getting started as an outdoor creator, I was just so gung-ho to start working with outdoor brands that I just didn't read the fine print and kind of regret some of the partnerships I took on early on. So there you have it. I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did along your content creator journey. So thanks so much to li for listening to the Legal Influence Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a rating or review. And if you know any influencers or content creators who would benefit from this episode, please send it on to them. Talk to you soon.